episode 39 of the Sweet Spot on a Farm podcast. Today I'm not on a farm for a change, I'm in Newcastle and I'm talking to Gart Toner who is um, TRE and Biodynamic Craniosacral Therapy Provider. Mm. Should I say that right, Gart? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> practitioner. I don't know much about either of these things, but I've just experienced a session of TRE with mm-hmm. Gareth, and um, it was very different from anything I've experienced so far. Um, and even though I've been training a lot and I've been doing meditations mm-hmm. and trying to spend as much within my body and connected to my body as I possibly can, this felt a little bit different and indefinitely went deeper than anything I did before. Mm-hmm. Um, can you explain to me what just happened there? <laughs> Making the intangible tangible. <laughs> well, basically, we allowed you and supported you to come into your body, to your felt sense. So the whole idea of TRE, which we just experienced there, was to invoke a neurotrenic tremor in the body that is a natural way for the body to reset, to switch out of primitive reflexes out of fight or flight mode into rest, digest. And when we meet the body in whatever way, TRE, craniosacral, other body work practices, we can touch parts of us, experiences that we don't usually meet in everyday life because we're in this doing mode. So your session is totally unique to you. Other people have different ways of interacting with their body. But it felt for you in that experience that, yeah, you met deeper rhythms, deeper layers of you. And how you understand that, how you interpret that is probably, again, unique to you and how you express it. So we could go and talk more about the methodology and what TRE is, but then that experience that you had is unique. See, whenever I looked into what TRE is and I saw a couple of videos and I, and, I, and I read a little bit and then I looked into the link that you kindly sent me I almost expected me mm. to be shaking like crazy and that didn't happen Yeah. have you had that happen with any other clients before and why is that that some people are really trembling and shaking and some aren't yeah and that's my process of exploration of this methodology too because when I met it, uh, I thought the idea was to get people shaking. Like, notice I said, get people shaking. But that's not the process. That can be quite cathartic. And invoking something from the body, which is unconscious, come to the fore when it's not ready to be met, heard, seen. So how I approach the work is really about, and what my experiences in recent times are, is it just allowing people to safely connect to their body not imposing any ideas or agendas or intentions and trusting whatever emerges from that container, that sense of safety, it comes up. So my approach in recent times, as I develop and grow, it's become less about getting the shake on. It's about supporting people safely to meet their bodies, to feel the sensations, and I find it's a lot deeper. And... Yeah, so it's less about the shake, more about people safely meeting their bodies in a simple way. Okay, so what's so the shake might not necessarily reflect on how a person is connecting 
to their body inside. Yeah. So the whole idea, we meet these more primitive parts of the brain, like the brain stem and the emotional brain. They're not, it's not our conscious awareness. So we're getting out of the way, basically. Our ego mind, our trying to control the situation, what's happened. We're surrendering to what is and what the moment-to-moment sensation is. The tremor, the shake, engages these more primitive parts of the brain so that we feel safe enough to get out of the way. But as our nature, we're conditioned to control and to want to not let go. And that's what we usually, when people firstly meet their body, they don't know if it's safe enough to let go and fully surrender to whatever wants to come because we block it out and we suppress and depress things. The shake's natural, it's innate to us from 100 years since human evolution. It's evolved from animals, you can see animals shake, they don't have a conscious brain. But us humans were more conditioned to shut it down, basically. And yeah. I like engaging the person to their slower rhythms rather than their getting their shake on. So, what is the the science, the the, the, the physiology mm-hmm. behind this? Mm-hmm. Has there been any research done on what's happening in within the body mm-hmm. and how it impacts the both body and the mind? Yeah, the nervous system. Directly, TRE been studied as a research instrument. It's they're not common because it takes money and finance. But there's a lot of stuff out there. If we look, there's stuff we've done with the Marines, U.S. Army, uh, educational settings too. But a lot of the, the research is done in the fields of physiology, neurology, psychology. Because if we're talking about a tremor, I'm offering that as a natural way that the body finds homeostasis, shuts down primitive responses so if you look at neurology for example we probably come across essential tremors or PTSD people in psychological states or in physiology in gyms we have vibrational therapy plates we get a shake on the body reduces tension in the muscles improves joint mobility improves the immune system and speeds up recovery so the tremor shaking has been studied in different fields but not particularly to TRE being researched. There is research out there, but not solely. So if we, for example, restless leg syndrome, 10% of the population have restless leg syndrome, or essential tremors, or Parkinsonian tremors. So in our conventional medicine approach, we think there's something wrong with the body. The pathologists think there's something wrong with the person if they're shaking. But TRE and shaking medicine is offering that it's actually the body's way of finding homeostasis, finding balance again. You do cold water swimming, and sure you're shivering after it, that's for your body to regenerate, to find heat, thermal regulation, to heat the body up. So rather than there's something wrong, we're switching this sort of paradigm, which has been about since man's evolved, that it's natural. Indonesia's tribes around the world, they practice drumming, around fires, shaking, Qigong has elements of shaking, Eugenic yoga as forms of shaking and engaging with this tremor. So TRE is a model that came about the last 30 years or so, but it's something that's been innate to humans since we've originated. So actually, I just remembered 
something um I had a traumatic experience when I was a teenager. Mm-hmm. And after that experience I I was really, really shaking. And then about I don't know, an hour or two hours afterwards I threw up but my body mm. was I couldn't stop it and I really thought I didn't understand what yeah. was happening. But so essentially that's a natural response of the nervous system to shake the trauma off. Yeah. So that, when you mentioned nervous system, that's particularly a good way to explain TRE, craniosacral therapy. And we can probably get further into the nervous system and the autonomic nervous system particularly. Um, but yeah, everyday life events, like a car crash or your experience you just shared there, you got shocked, the nervous system goes into a freeze response. And whenever it comes out of the freeze response, begins to shake to discharge that adrenaline, the cortisol, whatever was being coercing throughout the body then. But again, I'm sure if we fell over as a child or had these accidents and road accidents, people come over and try to stop that experience by putting a blanket around you, giving you a cup of tea or shutting it down or even sedating it. But that means that the body's not processing the experience. So that accumulates and is held over days, weeks, months, years, decades. As we were sharing right childhood, these experiences, ah, oh, get up, dress it down, go on about your business. But that's held within the physiology, within the nervous system, and accumulates and can come out and express as forms of anxiety or mental health or chronic pain or chronic fatigue or any other symptoms that we are experiencing in the modern culture. So I offer, we have experiences, the nervous system and the physiology experience it. If we don't allow it to complete these experiences, process them by shaking or uh, sharing or other forms of healing, then we carry them on throughout our life. And that is probably where we are today in the modern culture. A lot of uh, disease, disharmony, within our physiology and nervous systems. Is there a difference between the kind of tremor and shaking experience that you're describing and the kind of shake you get, see when you're at the gym, you're working out and you use too much weight or you increase your weight suddenly and then your body shakes to be able to deal with it? Is there a difference? No, tremor is the same. And that's, I think we do fragment things and try to put our methodology or this is a new concept, this is a new idea. But fundamentally, all tremors is the same. Essential, Parkinsonian, restless leg, gym, have to do some isometric work or something. It's just the body's way of coming back into balance. But you put too much strain on the muscles, they want to release that tension and soften and release. But that's an example that we don't allow. Like if you find somebody shaking in the gym, what would you feel or what would you... They probably use too much weight. Yeah, or there's <laughs> and some people say there's something wrong with that person or something. <laughs> I would take five minutes to the end of training or if I was doing I'd allow it to happen. But it's interesting, I just mentioned the physiology. There's a vibration power plate in the gym that allows the body to shake, whole body puts a vibration in the body to discharge, and it has studies show that it's beneficial. Like even physiotherapists just use vibrational therapy by putting a thing on the muscles to 
break up tissue tension and all. So if we're invoking something from the inside out rather than using external stimulus, that's the body's natural capacity to regenerate itself. So if we all had that, we could run for a bus, get adrenaline and cortisol arise in our system, we could sit down the bus, discharge it and go about <laughs> our day rather than carrying that anxiety or throughout our day. And it's, if we, yeah, just engage with it more or just find ways actually to self-regulate, not necessarily through shaking, just through down-regulating, whether it's taking 10 minutes, sitting, having a cup of tea or meditating, or it allows that nervous system to come back to a more balanced state. So see whenever I'm curious about this actually, because I've experienced different approaches to shaking or doing an exercise to the point when you start to shake. I've been told a few times when you're doing a plank or whatever exercise that engages the core mm -hmm. to do the exercise to the point before you start to shake. Mm -hmm. If you're shaking, then that's when you should stop or you should lower the level. Yeah. Is that right? Or should we, contrary to that, should we actually allow to get to the point when you're shaking? Yeah, I know. But, <laughs> yeah, so... But so the, the instructors or providers are going to tell you that if you're shaking, that's not good, basically. It's not helping you benefit. But if your muscle has been exerted to contract it to such a state that it needs to, it's as it can't hold that load. Okay. And so if you stretch the muscle further, not the not fully versed in fashion or the connective tissue things, have awareness of it, the, what's happening there is that the body's looking to stretch out and then you have a better range of movement or better range of strength across a range of movement if the contracted muscle is not being held. So long term it would help you if you allowed the shake to go and then went and strengthened it again and discharged. So it's rather than being able to hold a certain movement for a certain period of time, that's not an indicator of health to me or strength. It's only strength at a certain range of movement. But if you have a wider range of movement and strength along that, and if the tremor comes in or a shake comes in, that's good. Like There is eugenic rubber I mentioned before where they encourage, because any time our tissues get contracted or held, certain part in the hip joint, it's protecting the body. And if it shakes and releases it, then there's going to be more movement, a bigger, bigger wide range of movement in that area, that hip joint. So you'd be able to go into a, a more expanded position rather than being just doing the same movement pattern continuously. So it can support. And yeah, different providers, different teachers have different ways of understanding things. So let's just give our listeners an idea about a TRE yeah. session, yeah. what we've just did. So did I count it right? We did seven exercises. Seven exercises. Mm -hmm. And before we did the exercises, um, there was it was maybe 10, 15 minutes mm. sort of relaxed kind of mm. body scan. Yeah. So describe to me what is the idea behind the body scan yeah. and then behind those seven exercises. Right. So the body scan is not part of the methodology of TRE. It's just what I imply to my session because primarily we mentioned what I'm working with the autonomic nervous system. And we could talk about when we come back to polyvagal theory. So 
Whenever we are in everyday life, the body is in a sort of doing mode, let's say. The sympathetics, adrenaline's cortisol pumping through, the fight or flight. We're going through our day, arguments, bills come in, life's just full on. So whenever I meet people, they're coming from sorting arrangements out for childcare or from work, which is busy. So rather than going straight into uh, doing things straight away, I support them to come into a more parasympathetic, a rest, digest state. So they start connecting with themselves, the sensations, the feelings that are moving through their body in the moment. So their head's not at the childcare, at the argument with the partner, with the work stress. They're coming home to their body, first of all. And then from an embodied way, we do the seven different exercises that they negotiate and navigate themselves with the support of me or the provider. So the body scan is not part of the TRE methodology. It's just from my awareness of the nervous system, how I feel people get deeper levels of access just as you've experienced. Does that help? Okay. That makes sense. I suppose that makes the person more maybe ready for yeah. the TRE session so they, they don't have to spend the time during the exercises to try and connect to their bodies because yeah. they're already there. in the body. And that's, has some research, it's part of my understanding how people don't have such a cathartic shake. They're connecting to the slower rhythms that were in the body through the body awareness and we're slowly and safely taking them in and the more wave full body feelings can emerge. Uh, it might help articulate your experience. Whereas if we're coming from our everyday life, doing the, ex- doing the exercise, they say, and then getting the shake on, it's quite still superficial there. Um, but different providers have different experiences and different understanding and they explore different ways of doing okay. that. Well, take me through those exercises then. Okay. What is the idea behind them? and so, how is it something that's set, that's designed specifically, and that's the same every time? Or is it something that you change depending on a client? Okay. Or? So probably a good idea to go back to history. Um, so Dr. David Porcelli, he's developed the TRE model about 30 years ago. His story is that he was a psychotherapist, I feel. I know he's a body worker. He had experience of massage. But also he's a missionary worker. He would have travelled around developing world countries, um, yeah, supporting people in need. Um, so he experienced a lot of developing world experiences in terms of war, natural disasters and everything. And there was one time when he was travelling, I think it was Libya, he was in a safe house where there's bombs or something landing out around the house. And he was in, in that room with about seven different other men from different cultures. And he observed when bombs or a loud noise landed, their bodies went into a feet-like position. So shoulders up, head forward, legs up, protecting the most vulnerable parts of their body. So that feet-like position, just like a, a newborn. And he just observed that and known a bit about the bodies. He's curious about it. And then other situations, he's seen children who were being protected by their parents and held on their knees. Loud noises, gunshots were landed. And all the children and the men, women, went into a fetal-like position, contracting these main muscle groups that we'll talk about later. But the children, after that, they started shaking. 
So he was curious, like, if we have a primitive response, natural response to protect and the fetal position, contract the muscles, we also have a natural innate response to discharge that experience and move on. Adults, we're more socially conditioned to hold, stiff up our lip, suppress them things, but children, less conditioned and they discharged it. So he went and explored the main muscle groups that are contracting there, and the main muscle is the psoas muscle. Uh, which is connects to the inside of the groins to the lumbar spine to the T12, and we're si- yeah, it's like the muscle that contracts a lot when we're sitting or driving or running or so it's constantly engaged. So he developed these seven different exercises that fatigue and tire out these main muscle groups from the calves, the ankles, the quads to the psoas muscles to tire them out so that the body invokes this natural neurogenic tremor. So he devised that and he would go around the world and with 48 different countries around the world teaching people to, after natural disasters, earthquakes, tsunamis, uh, teaches providers to teach people how to do this self-regulation tool so that we don't need to go to one-to-one psychotherapy to deal with this trauma shock that's been held in the system. So that's the history of it. Dr. J. Bicelli and his work. Um, but he was only interacting with something that's natural to all us humans, all animals. And he did study and looked at animals in the animal kingdom. Um, if you look at in the grasslands or the Sahara or any of the open plains, a prey, a lion seeking a, a paya, the paya senses, becomes vigilant, becomes more aware, scans the environment, sees the lion, it goes into a firefighter response. All the energy of the body, all the resources go towards getting the hell out of there. It doesn't want to get caught. So adrenaline, cortisol, the main muscle groups engage us. But whenever it feels safe and it gets away from it, it discharges it, shakes it off. Just like a dog does in a thunderstorm or a horse shuddering after a race. It's a way of down-regulating. Sometimes it gets caught and they have a natural immobilised response which sends opiates throughout the body and us humans have evolved to have this experience too it sort of sedates the whole body numbs it out plays dead so that the predator doesn't eat the prey because it's dead meat so then whenever it feels safe again it comes out of that freeze response shakes it off and goes about its business so what you're hearing what I'm saying is that we have that capacity but we have evolved to have a more prefrontal cortex, rational, understand, analyze, and so stops these more primitive responses in the lower parts of the brain. And TRE is the model to bypass this rational thinking thing and the more primitive parts so that the body begins to discharge these held experiences. So these seven exercises that mm-hmm. he designed they're still the same seven exercises that are used yeah so he it's the seven exercises are like first of all is the ankle one you did and then the calf raises to fatigue the calf muscle and then the quad hamstring one and then the adductors and then the psoas so they're used in any tre group or by providers historically uh, it's part of the certification you have to teach it in that way but all they're doing, in my understanding, is helping the person to connect with their body, wake up their body, so that 
they can experience potentially that tremor and reconnect to self again. So they're used similarly, but as we did share there, and I'm thinking of my head's going side tangent, say some people who can't do the exercise, we can adapt them. Say someone in a wheelchair, mm. you can adapt them by just putting tension to the arm. If you put tension in your arm, I'm doing, you can begin to shake. You can get people sitting on the chair. Just to add different props to help um, modulate and differentiate the different exercises to suit the needs of the individual. But once you become attuned to the tremor, you do not have to necessarily do the uh, seven exercises because your body feels safe enough to invoke it. Like you see me doing exercise, my body is quite easy to go into it. Is it something that you develop over time? That yeah. your body, it's easier for your body. Um, to get into that stored, sort of state right? Stored, and shape. Yeah, totally. So a fundamental question, like the teachers told me, and we're, we were asking as any human, we're scanning our environment continuously, am I safe? It's an unconscious thing. We're constantly we going to a cafe. We're scanning an environment, there's a seat, it's in the middle of the road, I want, I want to go over back against the wall, and we naturally go to somewhere. We scan, go to a party, we're scanning the environment, looking for somebody to socially engage with us, make eye contact, familiar face, and then ah, I'll go and talk to that person. So we're, that's a fundamental question we're asking, am I safe? When trying new exercises or new experiences, we're a bit cautious, we're a bit hold, holding, meeting new people the first time too. We are exploring that territory of am I safe? And whenever we do, with familiarity, with practice, then we can let go a bit more. We can surrender to whatever is what made you to get into this uh, so I know that you were PE teacher is yeah, that right yeah. so you've always sort of worked with the body understand the mm-hmm. physiology of the body but what made you get into something like TRE yeah so what got me here at this point in time experience and being aware of experience so yeah as you say I was very sporty uh, growing up, I liked a lot of sports, team sports, always active, always doing. But I developed chronic pain, like when I was about 19, the signs of it came on, but about 21, 22, really come chronic, lower back pain. Um, a lot of injuries, a lot of sort of trauma accidents, of motor accidents, falling off a moving bus, for example, one time. And I would have been on cocodamol, diplophenic, and triplaline, going to physiotherapist, chiropractic, doing anything to not have that pain. Uh, so that carried on throughout my twenties, and I had other experiences in my twenties. I had a, finished university, I had a son born. He's eighteen now, Finn. Uh, break up in relationships, but as I started meeting my body. When somebody introduced me to yoga, it's about me slowing down because I was just on the go, social, drink, drugs, doing a lot of things. Just a typical man does, avoiding any feelings or emotions. And the yoga sort of started me to come into my body and feel. So that opened up a whole different paradigm, a way of being in the world. Like, so I started touching on emotional stuff and it sort of led me to looking backwards into childhood and to just my whole life experiences and how I have become who I am, basically. And 
pain started to change. I didn't need medication. Uh, I didn't take the Gokodomar. I slowed down and had other experiences which kept me coming back. To, what is this happening in the body? Like, what's I know the body from anatomy and slides and videos and studying it that way, but actually, I don't know it from a felt sense and embodied way. So, after a trip to Africa, I came back and the idea of changing up and doing some body work. And within three months, three people had mentioned Queen of Sacral Therapy. I had two sessions in December of 2011 and January 2012. I did an intro day, interesting things happened. And I did a two-year training and that was graduated in 2013. So the Queen of Therapy was my way in of changing my sort of path of where I was going. At the same time, still teaching PE in the school because I studied sports science and then I did a Master in Exercise Physiology, which in hindsight I know now, it's all about the nervous system and how overtraining and all these affects your body. But now it's come from a more embodied sense of what's actually happening in a felt sense way. And I've quit teaching. I teach in this field now, TRE workshops, one-to-one sessions. I teach with body intelligence around Europe, doing seminars, teaching people to use touch as a way to help people become more embodied. And I work also locally with a local charity called Maimai, supporting them in wellbeing programs and um, education around people to connect to themselves and their health. So you got through to to TRE through the craniosacral therapy. Yeah. So let's talk about that because yeah. uh, a lot of listeners wouldn't know what what it is. What is the difference between biodynamic and normal craniosacral therapy? Yeah. Um, so again, the history of that stems from osteopathy, early nineteen hundreds, and the craniosacral therapy was a term that was coined for osteopaths were practicing um, with a slower ways rather than manipulation and these of things. So biodynamics came about in the 1980s, so it's a more a non-doing approach to working with another person's body. So craniosacral therapy, in a nutshell, it's about supporting the whole of the individual. So it's about two big ideas. The body has these rhythms within us that are natural and a simple way that the body expands and contracts. Every cell expands and contracts and these rhythms are constant. Another big idea is that the body has a natural way to heal itself. And biodynamic is using touch as a way of communicating with another person to the felt sense to create a container, a therapeutic relationship that we become the observers, witnesses of this intelligence that expresses in rhythms and tides throughout the body. And in compromised health, then tidal rhythms become incoherent, dysregulated. Just like if you've seen somebody who was breathing heavily, you would assume that they're in an anxious state or switched on. People's rhythms become dysregulated, their breathing's more upper chest. So using touch as a way to connect with that person, um, we support their body to come to slower rhythms and that's where the restorative self-regeneration healing capacity comes to the fore. So see this rhythm within mm-hmm. our bodies that you're talking about and the cells yeah. expanding and contracting, is their rhythm the same within every person or is it different? 
So, <laughs> we're getting into the deeper aspects here. Uh, <laughs> so, different traditions have different language for this rhythm. In Korean sacral work, it's called the breath of life. If you explore the Asian traditional methods, full winds, chi, prana, energy, it's what is living and moving through every living organism, like a mountain, like trees, like animals. So yes, this rhythm is apparent. There's research showed of different rhythms in even uh, cytoplasm, which is a singular cell organism that has a cycle of 50 seconds. So these rhythms can be felt in the human. Craniosacral therapists are skilled, trained, educated to feel and support these rhythms to come back to the fore. So everybody can feel them, but modern culture, life operates in more faster rhythms. Yeah? So can you help me with this one? What did you notice that your body changed any sort of rhythm in the practice we've done before there? Did it come did it slow down? Oh it definitely slowed down. But I think it was already on the way slowing down because I went for a swim. swim yeah. And that's what I experience every time I go into the water. Mm-hmm. If I'm in any sort of stress or I'm still sort of like in the mm-hmm. mode go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. The moment I get into the water, everything slows down. Yeah. And you kind of have no choice because you have to slow down your breath. Yeah. You have to focus on slowing down your out breath to mm-hmm. be able to stay yeah. in the cold and then you come out and everything's slow and chilled and okay. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it definitely... Uh, yeah, the, your body was naturally doing yeah. that process. And some people don't have the capacity or awareness to understand that or to, uh, to term self-regulate like that. Some people's systems, bodies are in a froze, dissociated, disconnected state which is one side of the nervous system. It's a protective defensive mode. But a healthy person has the capacity to get aroused, get things done, and then find its way back to balance the pathway. Other people are stuck in the froze or the fight or flight state, and they can't. So that's why they reach out and need support. That's why we go to yoga or go for sea swimming, meditate, go for massages, because all these different methodologies support natural way of the body to come back to restorative capacity. Craniosacral theory are just other methodologies that support people come back to that state. And that's the state where disease, disharmony in the body can be changed because this natural slower rhythms are come more to the fore. So it all basically links to the two types of our autonomic nervous systems, mm. the mm-hmm. Sympathetic versus parasympathetic. Yeah. And that's that's basically what it does. Yeah. It helps us switch to the rest and digest mode. Exactly, yeah. And that leads us into a further conversation which will be interesting for the audience and ourselves here to discuss. And people aren't even educated on... That's a historic we know. The fight or flight uh, and rest mode, rest digest. But recently in years, Steve, Dr. Steve Porges came up with this polyvagal theory so it's a, talking about there's a three-step hierarchical response evolutionary in our nervous system that responds to life, people, and everyday life situations. So we did talk about the cafe, the party situation, where we 
first of all, we meet somebody new or we're in a place that's unfamiliar, our bodies ask, am I safe? So if we're in that state, the body's sort of anxious and it's aroused. But he coins it the socially engaged state, where if we can make eye contact or our tone of voice is low and modulated, the body comes out of the aroused sympathetic state into a more coherent, attuned place. So that's our first response. Am I safe? Can I socially engage? Is there a familiar face? Or an environment that allows me to come into a parasympathetic state? If we don't feel safe and we can't socially engage, then the body goes into a fight or flight. It wants to fight the situation or it wants to flee. So the sympathetics get switched on. If that becomes too overwhelmed, then it goes into a freeze, a disassociated, disconnected state. And that's the hierarchical response from it. As I said before, people are fixed in these more fight or flight or freeze responses. Your system's healthy, it can switch between the three. That's healthy nervous system, a healthy autonomic nervous system, a healthy person. But through people's life experiences, uh, overwhelming events, or just accumulation of everyday life experiences, they're stuck in high anxious, uh, fast, frantic places. And we can go into a whole re- remit of digestive disorders, Crohn's disease, because whenever we're in these sort of fight-or-flight freeze responses, our body's in survival mode, defence mode. It doesn't need these restorative capacities of digestion, gut microbiome. So that's where a lot of bloatness or chronic illness comes from because we're disconnected from the lower, below the diaphragm. The body's in a fixed state. It's basically they feel like you need to run... Yeah, constantly. ...from the tiger that's not there yeah. instead of... Focusing your body on healing and regeneration. Yeah. And so that's where I'm at with it already. It's, it's, I know I practice biodynamic communication, which I love, it was my first love, TRE. Uh, but from my own experience in life and how my nervous system was so dysregulated and switched on, based on my experiences, that knowing this knowledge, I just would educate and share with people ways through them two methodologies but other ways just of being in the world and how we could do it because we're we're not and there's so much compromised health there in the world that it's it's not good <laughs> simply put and while we covered the basics this interview is far from over so once again we are splitting it into two And if you want to hear about polyvagal theory and Gareth's story about falling out of a moving bus, you'll have to tune in next time. If you're curious about trying TRE or craniosacral therapy, and if you're living near Newcastle, County Down, Northern Ireland, and want to book a session, you can contact Gareth through his Facebook page. The handle is at Gareth J. Toner. Gareth spelled with one R. If you're living elsewhere in the world, you can find a reputable TRE provider in your area, I'm sure. There are TRE providers worldwide. Food time. Um, I'm seriously running out of ideas here, but the one thing about Christmas approaching fast is that a lot of the vegetables that get dismissed through the year will make their way on our table this time of the year. So one of those vegetables are Brussels sprouts. 
And I know that a lot of you probably can't stand this vegetable, but I absolutely love them. And I believe last year I gave you a simple recipe for coconut sautéed Brussels sprouts. So this time we're having a curried version. And you can find it on our social media. Our Instagram handle is at thesweetspot underscore on a farm or find out Facebook group The Sweet Spot on a Farm where you can find all the recipes shared to date including this one in the file section. And if you like this podcast please check out our other episodes and leave us a comment on SoundCloud or social media. And if you have an iTunes account please spare a few seconds and rate the podcast. These reviews and stars are incredibly important for any content maker and it really helps us reach wider audience and I would really appreciate it. Have a lovely week, find a way to release that tension and stay healthy. Until next time, bye! As every week, your host is myself, Susanna from The Sweet Spot, Music by Mark J. Adair and artwork by Gemma O'Hagan. Thank you for listening. <laughs>